This is Mid-Missouri's Total Sports Station. KTGR, and it's time to get big. That was a big-time answer right there. You've got the big show with Andy and Brent serving up sports talk from the zoo to the pros. And everything in between. Join us now on the KTGR hotline and sound off on today's biggest stories in sports. The big show starts now. You bet it does. Welcome into this Thursday edition of the Big Show on ESPN 100.5 and 105.1 KTGR, your total sports station in mid-Missouri. Thanks for tuning in online at KTGR.com and on the KTGR app. It's Andy Humphrey and Brendan Schaefer back from his many travels. Hello. Producer Chris is here, too. Hello. Is this thing on? It it, it is. We travel plural. I thought we it was just start, one travel. We one travel singular. Testing it as much as you do, but uh, but hey. Yeah, I probably should have tested this honestly because I had to reconnect everything. Very but bad. it sounds like we're good to go. No, Chris, I I did have like back to back travels. There was a weekend trip to Austin, ah. and then there was the uh, winter meetings to Nashville. So both of like the country music cities, I hit them both over the past week, boys. But now I'm back. Well, well that's good, and. Uh, just in time to talk about over-unders for Chiefs-Bills, which we'll do in a few minutes. We'll also, hey, you're just in time for Play Fate Eliminate, too. Good. 5 525. Would hate to miss that. It'd be a heck of a segment. Yeah. I, we've done it without you before. I, I will say that. But Well, <laughs> I need to go back and listen to those. I mean, I'm sure it's great, but it, I just yeah, I know how much you love talking fantasy. Not really as much as I do. Not not necessarily. Uh, but we'll talk uh, some play, fate, eliminate, and fantasy football. It's it's a big week. You're probably oh my needed, gosh. Uh, if you're on the fringe of playoffs or something like that, going to be a big week. I looked at a number of my leagues today to kind of reassess heading into the last week. Um, the ones that I'm not in the playoffs, I don't think I can make it. So <laughs> this week, for me, maybe not as big, um, but for others probably is you're on that line and you want to figure out a way to make it happen whatever you do don't start anybody in the game tonight i'm serious oh don't wow start. andy have you seen the over yeah under? i have this is like an iowa college iowa. game yep, yep. it's oh. looking exactly like it. it's ugly uh we'll we'll get to play fate eliminated 525 we'll get to some mizzou talk at 505 this debate has been so stupid all week long. What debate? And I think we need to just settle it oh, once and you. for all yes. at 5.05. I was hoping we would talk we, about we this this time. We need to put this to bed once and for all. 5.05, we'll talk some Mizzou. And Chris Krasinski will talk Mizzou with us at 4, 4.25. He of the Columbia Daily Tribune on football, uh, men's hoops and women's hoops, as they got a win last night against Missouri State. All coming up, 875-KTGR. You can tweet us, too, at KTGR Big Show, and find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash KTGR Big Show. Now, the Big Show's Big Deal. Lots to uh, get to as far as Chiefs injuries. A little bit concerning, Isaiah Pacheco, second straight day, did not practice. Shoulder injury for him. Also, Drew Tranquil didn't practice. Donovan Smith, uh, starting left tackle. And uh, trying to remember the, uh, the the other guy that did not practice, but we'll get Brian there. Cook. Brian Cook. He had a really bad ankle injury uh, against the, uh, the, the Packers this weekend. So the Chiefs dealing with some injuries. Nick Bolton did practice, though, in full. So that's good news. Maybe he'll get activated off injured reserve this week. We'll just have to see. The Chiefs play a big game against the Bills on Sunday at 325. And uh, the Chiefs at 8-4, the Bills at 6-6. Bills trying to stay in the playoff conversation. Chiefs 
want to try and climb their way back to the AFC one seed. We'll see who can get closer to their goal on Sunday. And that's the big show's big deal on this seventh day of December 2023. 875-KTGR to call or text us here. Over undertime for Chiefs and Bills in what's uh, looking like a pretty massive game for both camps. Why don't we start with over or under one and a half turnovers for Josh Allen? Yeah! I I was going to say that seemed like it was going to be the topic that was going to be the most controversial today. Uh Uh-huh. And then there's there's something else that's out there that I don't know if you've seen it yet, so I'm going to wait to figure out how to introduce it. But, let, yeah, let's start with the Josh Allen thing. Over under one and a half turnovers. Mike Greenberg, of course, Andy, saying that is disrespectful to oh, ask on. the question. But since we do over-unders, like, we don't just right. pick on the bad. We're going to talk about the good as well. Uh, so I think it's fair game here. But I'm taking under. Like, I, if anybody's going to be in Josh Allen's corner this week, it darn well better be me because that was my guy, and then some stuff happened, and the Bills weren't as uh, weren't as good at the end of last season. You know, I, the fact that they got out-toughed by the Bengals in that playoff game in the snow, that's, that's not a good look for a Buffalo team. But I think I'm going to try to get back on board the Josh Allen train this week, Andy. As I mentioned yesterday, I'm going to take under one and a half. He'll probably throw a pick or have a fumble, but I'm going to say he doesn't do both. It's over. It's it's over. He's going to have it's both, over. or he's, he's going to have two drop. picks. Like yeah, it's oh yeah, it is. It really is. Uh, Come on, I've seen enough of this. Come on, thirteen picks. Three lost fumbles this year at 16 turnovers in 12 games. It's very fair to put the over-under at one and a half. So that's about the average for Josh Allen this year. Like, come on. I'm going over. Come on, that's just that's just mean. How many fumbles does Mahomes have? I bet he's got oh, I bet he's got close to the same amount, right? I bet he's got of 50, 11 billion fumbles. Yeah, I on. bet he's got sure. enough to make Josh Allen a nice, handsome boy. Yeah, sure. That's Why what are we trying being to talk so about mean. here? Come on. Right, Sorry, on. man. I'm just looking at what the we're not being numbers mean. say on the paper. We're acknowledging what's happened. Okay. And they say he's got butterfingers. Mahomes has not fumbled the ball but once this year, so he does have more. T- but Mahomes has thrown 10 picks. I mean, it's not like it's not like he's okay. been. Comp- okay, one over under one and a half Patrick Mahomes turnovers. Under. I'm, I'm taking the under. Over. He might I'm throw a pick. Over. He might pick in this game. I'm taking the over he on He might both. have a pick. He had a pick in the last game. They lost. I I am not saying that Mahomes isn't prone to this, especially this year. But I'm going to be proportional. Yeah, no, I'm saying, I'm a, I am proportional. I'm going to take over. I'm going to okay. <laughs> he throws a couple. He throws one. And then he throws one after the Bills have already, you know, kind of put it out of hand, and Mahomes is desperately trying ah, to come back. Okay. All right. Tell us how you really feel. I told you I might yeah. go Bills this week. Well, I might go Bills this week. I... The Bills, uh, that, that point spread's been coming down. It was like three and a half. Now it's maybe they're one saying and it's a half. over for uh, Tyler Palco with the catch-up deal? Is that what they're saying out in the streets? Again, that was your phrase to describe Patrick Mahomes and not mine. I'm not saying it's over. But I think this could be a tough week. Brody Croyle with uh, Oakley's? Is that what we're saying? Throw, he's going to throw a couple of interceptions is what I'm going to say. Okay, now that we've gotten some of the Josh Allen stuff out of the way, which I'm sure we'll talk more about him today and tomorrow. But, Andy, did you see this Sean McDermott stuff? No. Have yeah. you seen what's out there? Chris has. He's he's kind of – this is unbelievable. And so I'm going to break it to you live, Andy, because you haven't seen it yet. I'm going to break it to you by asking this off – Color question. 
over or under 0.5 references by Sean McDermott to 9-11 during this upcoming game. And yes, it's worse than you think. If you haven't seen the story yet, it's worse than you think. Chris, do you do you have a good enough handle on this to map it out for Andy? This is wild, and I don't. I just learned of this like 10 minutes ago. Um, I don't have the full quote in front of me, but I do remember reading it once, twice, three times earlier this morning because I was like, surely he didn't actually say this. Surely this is like whatever the Onion Sports like column is. This is what happened. But no, no, Sean McDermott was really like, man, there was a team out there. Uh, you know what? I'm just going to completely butcher it. So we're just going to. I was going to say, this is one of those things that you don't want to uh, p- paraphrase because you don't want to get it wrong. But here, I'll, I'll read this, Andy, from uh, Catherine Fitzgerald that covers the Bills. Sean McDermott today addressing the media said, quote, my intent in the meeting that day was to discuss the importance of communication. I regretted. Mentioning 9-11 in my message that day and immediately apologized to the team. Essentially what he did was at a 2019, and I, I guess this recently came out due to some reporting on Sean McDermott, and so this wasn't something that was out there previously. But basically he invoked the hijackers of the planes and said they really figured out a way to come together and work together to accomplish a goal. Oh, boy. And used, like I said, it's going to be worse than you could have imagined. Ah. And used that as like a... A rallying cry of, hey, Buffalo football team, we need to work together. So he's addressing something that happened, you know, four years ago. But uh, I feel like Bill's Chiefs just got weird in a way that I didn't expect it to happen. I don't don't understand how this happened in the first place. But uh, your, your reaction to hearing that Sean McDermott had something weird to say about 9 11. Why? Why do coaches find the weirdest ways to motivate their players? Like it's, it does this even no motivate sense. your players? <laughs> no, no it does not motivate them. your players. Yeah. It scares them. Who is like, it? What the heck? So what he said was, I understand this is all coming out now, but I did address it an hour later before we went out to the practice field. I could tell that maybe some people didn't didn't uh-huh. get the message that I was. But he said, I apologize if anybody, uh, you know didn't get the message that I was trying to convey, or maybe I could have done a better job. Yeah. It beats I, me, too. I don't think anybody did. Like, come on. So I'm hoping oh, the boy. answer is uh, under 0.5, using 9-11 hijackers as the motivational tactic. Uh, I'm going to say, I'm going to say, Sean McDermott, if you can, I would avoid that in your pregame speech this week. Oh, my God. Because that was goodness. one that came straight out of left field today. That just. He'll wow. he'll go under the bus. I noticed that we didn't have it on the sheet no, as no, well under the, the bus. But I was I was like, oh, I coming. think I have a late edition. That is coming for that. Um, no doubt about it. Um, I, I'm dumbfounded. Like it's almost. <laughs> yeah. like, I don't know I what to compare out, that to. When I first when I first heard about this, I, I read the tweet that I just had read on the air, and I retweeted it saying, "What did I miss? And do I even want to know?" And the replies just said, whatever you're thinking, it's worse. So that's what happened there. I don't know if that's got any impact. Like, it's something that happened four years ago, but it is something that now is going to be in the in the news, and we'll see if people end up talking about it. But hopefully, for the most part, Sean McDermott can say, I messed up, and then we can move on to football. Yeah, that's what I hope, too. You do not, in fact, have to hand it to him. No, you do not, in fact, have to speaking give it up of, for blank. Like, speaking it, of it just don't not happen. having to hand it to anybody, can we get an over-under for touchdowns for Clyde Edwards-Alaire? Well, I'm going to take mean, the over, whatever you say. Yeah, yeah. seriously. Like, it's the Pacheco looking thing. like he's going to probably have to start. 
uh, with Pacheco not practicing yet this week. It's not looking good. I wonder what the the current odds are on a on a touchdown for Clyde. Well, it's probably he's even out. he's even money to yeah. score a touchdown. Yeah, Pacheco's still on there as someone that's a little more likely to score than Clyde. But I think the sports books almost have to. I'm, I'm of course reading this from unnamed sportsbook.com. I think they have to be like, uh, if Clyde's the main running back, he could very well be a coin flip to score a touchdown. So I don't think there's a very good value bet necessarily because there is still tomorrow. So I'm going to say this over under 0.5 Isaiah Pacheco carries in this game. You think he plays? No, no, I don't think he does. It kind of feels like that, doesn't it? Uh, don't you don't practice the last couple of days? If you even if you're limited tomorrow, you're still probably questionable, and the Chiefs are probably going to err on the side of caution. However, Jarek McKinnon's banged up too. Like he's That's part of this. Also, yeah. maybe I, I mean he missed the last couple of games. I think um, so. It's looking pretty thin at that spot. I know they technically have who is it? Michael P. Ryan is like an emergency fire extinguisher kind of. I think he's been the practice squad guy that you'd elevate if they needed him. Yeah, so I mean, it's just not looking great in the health of the running back room right now. So it, I don't know if you would want to push Pacheco back if you think McKinnon can be back. That's where I would come down. Yeah, but as far as Clyde Edwards-Helaire is concerned, like I'll I'll say if no Pacheco that he does find the end zone. I would. I would say he probably scores. The odds aren't juicy enough to say, oh, I'm going to rush to unnamedsportsbook.com to jurisdiction of legality and bet that. But I think there's a pretty good chance that he sees the bulk of the workload just basically stepping into the Pacheco role if Pacheco's not in there. I don't know if it'll be 100%. I think the McKinnon factor will be real there because they can certainly use him on all the passing downs. But, you know, I feel like it's going to be a, a case where you do want to be able to run the ball well, control the ball, the more you're killing clock and, and moving down the field, the more Josh Allen doesn't have a chance to do Josh Allen stuff, to do Stefan Diggs stuff. So it's I, I do think time of possession is maybe something that the Chiefs are going to value in this game, and that would lend itself toward having a good running game to back that up. Well, you need to keep it away from, uh, from that offense because, look, yes, we – we joke about the Josh Allen turnovers, but he's been moving that offense very well recently, and so uh, that, that might be what the Chiefs have to do, ride their defense a little bit, even though the defense did not perform not all that well last week. No. So maybe I'll ask you, over or under, two-and-a-half touchdowns allowed by the Chiefs' defense this week to oh, the Bills. Oh, interesting. I'm going to take the over on that. Because my question to you is going to be over or under two and a half Josh Allen touchdowns, either rushing okay. or passing. Oh, and I was yeah, going to say yeah. that that's about right where I am. The over under in the game is 49. So, you know, that that's probably optimistic to say they're going to score three touchdowns. The, the Bills, given their team totals right around, you know, 23 or so, 24 points. But I think they get to 23, 24 points and maybe even into the upper 20s. I like this might be that kind of. Throwback Chiefs have to win it via shootout type of game if they're going to win it. I don't think the Chiefs, the way they looked against the Packers, man, unless a lot changes really quick, and we talked about some of the injuries that they have on defense, guys missing practice, I feel like the Bills are going to score points in this game. So I'll take the over on that question. I'll go under. I think it could be field goals. Like uh, I think both teams could maybe be red zone struggling defense. in the in the red zone. Like it, okay. yeah, both teams maybe have to take uh, cut their losses here or there and 
uh, fight another drive, essentially. What's tough about that is, I mean, the Chiefs, we know that Mahomes is fine with throwing it to whoever he has to throw it to to move the ball down the field, and, and we've started to see some different guys emerge that you feel like, all right, Rasheed Rice, like he could catch you a touchdown. You know Kelsey's always going to be a factor. For me, the Bills, and I guess I should look this up, Andy, of like what has their red zone offense been like so far this year because I feel like with Josh Allen, his ability to get you a first down, to get you down to the eight-yard line, like he'll run, he'll move, he'll do different things that need to happen. I would guess that Buffalo's red zone percentage is really good. Checking it out now, that looks to be the case. They rank only behind Miami in red zone touchdown percentage, 67% with Miami at 75. And you've got the Chiefs down at 13th in the league, scoring a touchdown on 55% of their red zone drive. So for me, Buffalo's red zone offense has been a strength. You think the Chiefs are going to find their ability to kind of bow down in that area of the field, perhaps? Um, Nope. Maybe better than last week. They would have to be better than last week if they want to win. But, I mean, if they don't have Isaiah Pacheco, it might be tougher to do. You know, to, to finish off some of those drives. Well, I'm looking at the Chiefs' red zone defense more so than offensively. Because the the first half, man, Jordan Love orchestrated two drives that Fantastic. took up a lot of game yeah. clock, and they, they found their way into the end zone on both of them. So I I think the Chiefs, sure, offensively, they'll be able to do fine in the red zone. They're ranking in the top half of the league in that. I'm not particularly worried about it in this game, but I am a little worried about their red zone defense after the, the showing that, they put out there against the Packers and the fact that the Bills are so good at getting into the end zone once they're in the red zone, 67%. That's a solid mark. Well, I mean, if Nick Bolton's back, that does help. Uh, but the other problem is Brian Cook being out. I mean, he's a little bit of an underrated player in the back end of that defense. And uh, the the Chiefs certainly missed him towards the end of that game, especially on the throw that Jordan Love had where he just – Rainbowed it over to Romeo Dobbs, and was it, that fourth and three, fourth like, and that, two, or something like that? that I don't understand. Lobs it up, and that made no sense. And the fact that it worked, are surrounding Ugh. Romeo Dobbs, and he catches yeah. it. Like it, Brian Cook doesn't let that happen. I don't think. Um, I think, oh boy, if you, if they hold him under fifty percent touchdowns to field goals or converting uh, here or there. I think I think the Chiefs will win it, but it's going to be tough to do. Well, that's what I'm saying. We don't really know how many red zone drives they're going to get either. Like, if you're stopped at the 30 and you, you turn it into three points, that's not the end of the world. But I'm, yeah. let's ask this. I'll put it at, is two and a half a fair number to say Bill's in the red zone over under two and a half having to settle for a field goal? Like, what's that number where you think, let's call it a red zone stop. How many times do the Chiefs earn a red zone stop where they don't allow the Bills to punch it in from close? Because if you can turn seven into three for the opponent, I would agree the Chiefs have a good chance at it. But even if I gave you one and a half, you're saying they'll do it at least twice? Because I'm going to take the under. I'm going to say maybe they do it once. But if the Bills get in the red zone, I'm going to say they cash in the majority of the time, all but maybe one of their chances. I'll say they can do it twice. Uh, okay, I'll, I'll go so two. one one and a half feels like a more fair number because yeah. again we don't know how often they'll get in the red zone. Chris, if you had to go away on that specific to the Chiefs' red zone defense, do you think over or under one and a half stops in terms of they hold them to a field goal or better? Um, I'll go 
over on that. That sounds right. Man. All right. I mean, they, look, I would like to see it, but what we saw last week, man, was not only are you going to let him march down the field, and A.J. Dillon is kind of a tough type of running back to face when you're in the cold at Lambeau Field, and maybe the Bills don't have that exactly with James Cook as their lead back this week, but I I kind of feel like once they've gotten into the red zone, the Packers, man, they found a way to punch it in, and the Bills are so good at it. I'm, that would be my main concern, honestly, for the Chiefs. So it's interesting that Andy kind of feels like that could be what turns the game in their favor. I think that's the matchup to watch, is if the Bills get close, does Josh Allen throw a pick? Does he throw the, you know, the the interception that really costs them or do the chiefs bow their necks and, and find a way to hold the, the three or do the bills just kind of do what the Packers did to them? I mean, the, the red zone is, has been very good for both of those units. I mean, the chiefs this year, uh, they've tried to, uh, as far as goal to go, that's, that's different, but I mean, uh, the edge right now gives it to Buffalo because they've got the second best red zone offense in the NFL. So the Chiefs are going to have to show a little bit more of what they've been able to do this year by keeping teams like that to field goals instead of touchdowns. And, uh, look, I, I, I think that comes down to whether or not they can get a pass rush going because those were the spots last week where Jordan Love did not have to worry about somebody bearing down on him in the pocket, and he was able to make those throws. Uh, and, and even on the ones that he made, sometimes he got it. Sometimes it was due to him and the improvements that he's made, and sometimes it's just sheer luck, including that fourth and two play uh, of him just flinging it up and having confidence in his guy to go and get it. But the Chiefs' pass rush has to perform better than they did last week because it just was not consistent enough. We didn't see Chris Jones wreak havoc as many times as he as we're used to seeing, and uh, the the edge rusher's got to be there too. Like it's. It's got to be a much better effort there on a guy like Josh Allen, who is mobile, but I, I, I think it comes down to keeping him in the pocket and collapsing things. And a stat that kind of surprises me, I would have guessed that the Chiefs outside of last week might be a pretty good red zone defense. They've allowed a touchdown on 58% of red zone drives, which is 21st in the NFL. It's not like Buffalo's defense is amazing in that category. They're 13th at 52%, but 58%. So... It's been more than half. It's been toward the bottom of that table for the Chiefs defensively. And last week, I thought, was a, a really bad example of it. So if they can find something to turn the tide within a seven-day period, maybe you feel a little better about it. I'm skeptical just maybe, if nothing else, Andy, because of the trend, but also the injuries that we've talked about that they could be facing in this one. Yeah, it's not a great trend right now. And we're, we're not even talking about the left tackle spot. Donovan Smith is... is dealing with a neck injury himself, and the Chiefs don't know if they're going to have their starting left tackle. But we'll see. 875-KTGR, give us your over-unders for Chiefs-Bills this Sunday. And uh, we'll keep talking about that all this week. But up next, Mizzou talk as there's a big hoops game this weekend. The Tigers get set to travel to Lawrence. Chris Kwasinski's thoughts of the Columbia Daily Tribune. That'll be next year on The Big Show. You're listening to The Big Show Podcast on KTGR.com. Back to it. You can call or text us at 875-KTGR and text in your over-unders for Chiefs-Bills. Big game coming up at Arrowhead this Sunday. 
Over towards that same direction, uh, in Kansas, Mizzou men's basketball will try and pull off a big upset against their rival KU uh, in men's basketball coming up. And uh, Chris Pazinski, the sports editor at the Columbia Daily Tribune, joining us here to talk about that matchup and all things Tigers. Chris, how are you? I'm good. Bought my earplugs for Saturday and everything. Oh, <laughs> I hope so. Uh, that's a, that is a, a very key thing to have when you go into that environment for that type of game. But it, it's it obviously is looking like a very tall task for this group right now, the way it's currently composed. What do you get the sense of how this team has looked uh, in the in these last few non-conference matchups, these last few tune-ups before they uh, get to this point? of whether they'll be able to, to hang on the court with this with this KU team. Yeah, see, the, the thing about this this men's basketball team right now, that, that kind of gets me, honestly, a little bit more hopeful for this time around is they're making changes. And this is not something we saw last year very often with Dennis Gates. Obviously, he had his lineup, he had his guys, Kobe, Demoy Hodge, uh, Trey Gomillion. But uh, when Trey would go down with injuries, he had to find people to fill that spot and that kind of thing. But that wasn't really the, that's not really the case this time around. You, you put an Aiden Shaw, Tamar Bates into the starting lineup, guys that uh, I thought were going to be starting to begin with in this season. Uh, but, you know, he he decided that they needed to change some things up. And uh, Sean East, I know he said after the pick game, Sean East was a guy that was a proponent of saying, hey, uh, let, let's see if we can start these guys. Let's see what they can do in this in this opportunity and I give him a lot of credit for it because that takes a lot of guts to to kind of switch things around. And I'd say it's looked up, worked out pretty well so far. Uh, the pit game was one of them winning on the road there, too. It was a big win for this team, a, a game that I thought they were going to lose based on what we saw in the last couple of weeks. But uh, the fact that they've got this new lineup, they've got new starters, they're starting to figure out some of these rotations, some new roles uh, that really started to f- kind of fill those roles, too. I think it's. I think it's, it's interesting. It adds a little bit more intrigue for uh, a coaching staff, which is, uh, which is learning, and that's not something you can say a lot about. Uh, you know, guys that go to the tournament, they think they know, they think they know how things are supposed to go. They're going to stick to their guns, but uh, Dennis obviously is looking to change things up a little bit. Chris, you mentioned Sean East, and I, I want to stay with that for a moment because I, I was talking with Andy yesterday, looking back at his performance in the Kansas game last year, and I think that was a notable kind of rough game for Sean East, and maybe a little emblematic of what would happen sometimes if he wasn't playing with that signature Sean East confidence, but we've seen a pretty consistent version of East so far this year as he's sort of taken on more of a leadership role with this team. I'm curious in your mind, obviously tough hill to climb regardless as Mizzou heads to Allen Fieldhouse, but what do you think about Sean East maybe being a key if he can have a a better game or be one of the best players on the floor as opposed to kind of how he played last year in the matchup, if what that could do for Missouri potentially in this one? Yeah, we're, we're starting to see a lot of that with Sean East this year, too, right? Like 20, a lot of 20 point games. His, his offensive capabilities are, are a lot greater than what we saw last year. Uh, his three point shot, obviously, just has grown leaps and bounds. And uh, I think that's the part where you start with Sean is his offensive game has expanded so much to the point where you can look at him to get a handful of points. And uh, there was a, you know, the patented Sean East run that we'd see last year where he'd go on a, a 6 8 0 run just by himself really quickly. I think that's kind of expanded a lot this year, too, to where uh, he can single-handedly push Mizzou to that 12-10-0 run, not just with his shooting and his expanded offensive capabilities, but his passing, too. I know his assist numbers have been up, and I think that's that's the thing you're going to look for in a game like this is how well you can distribute the ball effectively, uh, not just uh, not just across the perimeter, kind of swinging the ball there, but 
getting the ball to the guys like Tamar Bates who can cut and make pass uh, and make shots in the lane. Also, maybe pass out, kick out to Nick Honor, who's really settling into that corner three specialist as opposed to that driver that we've kind of been seeing the first handful of games where uh, we know Dennis has been asking guys to shoot more. But at the end of the day, if you're a five, uh, you know, five eleven guy like Nick Honor is, it's kind of hard to score on guys that are uh, frankly just much taller than you. And I think when you settle into those roles and kind of understand what's worked, what hasn't, kind of tinkering with the capabilities of what this team is and uh, just switching some roles around too. I think Shawnee's is just the best point guard to have in that situation just because he knows how to get the ball to where it needs to be. He's got the experience playing with so many different college schemes, and he has got the support of Dennis Gates too. Chris Kwasinski of the Columbia Daily Tribune with us here on the big show, KTGR and KTGR.com. Uh, just the, the, the size matchup uh, with this uh, Mizzou and Kansas game. Uh, Kansas brings one of the tallest groups in the country. Mizzou, meanwhile, I mean, they they don't have as many bodies that can uh, hang with players like that, but they've been very good at blocking shots this year. I wonder what you, know, you think their propensity would be for a game like this where they average you know something like six and a half blocks per game. But uh, again, Kansas seems to be a, a team that can certainly deal with uh, defensive, uh, I guess, juggernauts like that too. Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing. I don't think this team has seen uh, the kind of height this year so far that Kansas is going to bring. And obviously it goes down to Hunter Dickinson, which is a guy that, uh, you know, in the right capability, the right position, the right spot during a, a game could be a 2020 guy. I'm pretty sure or we might see a 2020 game from him sometime this year. It might be Saturday uh, just because he's that experienced and he's going up against guys that uh, they're still trying to figure out some of those roles. And, uh, but that's not the end all be all because you, know, you can't win with one guy when there's a whole team you know, on the other side. But uh, right now with, with Hunter, it's going to be, it's going to be difficult. It's going to be interesting to see how they defend him and kind of how they try to factor him out of the game defensively uh, with maybe some different defenses, some different zone, man, we'll, we'll see what we'll see what Dennis comes up with there. But I think that's the biggest thing is you're not going to get many blocks against that team unless you, uh, uh, you know, unless you, do some different things defensively. And Aiden Shaw, we know, can jump out of a gym. And uh, it wouldn't surprise me to see if he got a couple blocks too. But, um, you know, that's, that's part of the challenge. That's part of the challenge that this team brings or experience from top to bottom, uh, starting with Dewan Harris and going all the way down to Dickinson too there. It, uh, I mean, it's, it's part of the challenge that this game brings. And you're going to be on the road too, which makes it even that more difficult. Yeah, we'll see if they're able to endure that environment, and uh, we'll see what happens there in uh, Fog Allen Fieldhouse, uh, or Allen Fieldhouse, I should say. Uh, Chris Kwasinski here on KTGR and KTGR.com from the Columbia Daily Tribune. Mizzou women's basketball has a pretty big test, too. They're facing Kansas State. They'll go to a neutral site for that uh, against St. Joseph. But uh, Robin Pinchton's group, I think, is probably in search of one of these uh, quality wins. And they've had some chances at it, just have not been able to, to grab one yet. I wonder how big of an opportunity you think this is for Mizzou women's hoops this weekend, Chris. It's massive. Uh, it wouldn't be as massive if they were there, if they were able to pull off the win on the road against Virginia last week. Uh, and that was a great game by all by, you know, by all means. Virginia's a good team, but I think the most difficult thing is if you start it, you got to finish it. And they really didn't finish it down the road, uh, down on the road, especially down the stretch too. Uh, when you're missing a player like Angie uh, Nagala Kalandi, uh, who, who brings that post presence, that rebounding that Mizzou really sorely needs. Uh, you have to really find a way to get it elsewhere. But I think the the bright spot is for this team, and I wrote about it uh, this morning in the Tribune, where uh, Ashton Judd is taking on that role of 
a player you can depend on. And I, I wrote that she's their go-to scoring offensive player. And I really think she should take on that more that role because she can score at every single level. But she's also a solid rebounder. We've seen her get rebounds in the post, but also uh, open up to getting rebounds in the mid-range too. If she can unlock players like that and kind of fill the gaps around, especially Ashton, who's really come on under sophomore season, uh, you'll, you'll have a chance to get some of these wins, especially in a neutral site uh, in St. Joe's. And uh, I mean, this is a game that you need. You know, the, we know what the expectations are for this women's basketball team, and that's not lost on the staff. That's not lost on these players, too. And uh, it, to, to get two wins against two teams that are honestly probably tournament-bound in Illinois and Kansas State, that's going to be huge, especially after missing the one against Virginia. We'll see. The big games for both men's and women's basketball at Mizzou uh, this weekend, uh, playing teams from Kansas. So we'll see what happens in both of those contests. Chris Wazinski from the Columbia Daily Tribune here on the Big Show KTGR. It's a football where it's uh, all kinds of momentum from the bowl announcement last weekend, all the awards that are coming out. I wonder how you've kind of viewed the the end of the season here for this Mizzou football team with with everything that they've learned about their bowl matchup and and now that the everyone across the country and around the SEC is recognizing the job that the, the players and Eli Drinkwitz did with all the awards that they seem to be racking up now. I, I mean, when you put everything in kind of encapsulated all into the last couple of weeks, I don't know how you can sit back and say that it's been yeah, it, it's been a whirlwind, but it's also been very positive uh, and for, for multiple reasons. And obviously, the first is when you get recognized for the awards that they really deserve. I've been saying that Drinkwitz should have been SEC Coach of the Year since he won, uh, beat Tennessee by multiple scores at home. And uh, But to, to get that, I think it's one of those things where you sit back and recognize that, hey, Desiree Reed-Francois put her trust in Drinkwitz last year in November uh, on a dreary day where he ended up losing to Kentucky on the same day where he, they extended his contract or they announced it at least. And, and we're seeing the fruits of that labor pay off too. And we're also starting to see the, the transfer portal uh, work in Mizzou's favor with uh, Toronto uh, 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 Price, excuse me, I believe, uh, and, or Pride, excuse me, uh, committed to Mizzou last night. That's a guy that's from East St. Louis, a uh, guy that Mizzou recruited heavily when he was coming out of high school, but now he lands here. That's a a guy that you can consider one of those in-state guys you can't really miss on. And now he's coming here to fill in the gaps where Chris Havens during an NS Rakes trial might leave off when they go pro or if they go pro, I'm assuming they will. But I think when you look at everything and all the, all the news that's been breaking in Mizzou's favor, you go on the other side of Ohio state too, and you're seeing a ton of players entering the transfer portal there. I'm not saying that's going to be an easy game by any means because it's still Ohio state. You know, you, uh, you move on from one five-star and you got a four-star that's right behind him there in a program like that. But right now, there's a lot that's going to Mizzou's favor. You know, a lot of it's breaking the right way. And, and that's only going to pay off down the road when the transfer portal really starts to heat up and you're really starting to look at key position pieces where you're going to miss some guys. Yeah, but but we'll see uh, how they finish it this uh, upcoming month as they get set to take on Ohio State, and the the momentum is certainly good. And, and Toriano Pride might not be the only high profile transfer they get. We'll have to see. But uh, the Tigers are going to certainly be searching for him all this off season. Chris Kwasinski at the Columbia Daily Tribune. Great to hear from him. You can follow him on Twitter at ochok underscore and read all their great stuff in the Columbia Daily Tribune for all things Tigers and and high school. And, and the like. Chris, thank you so much for coming on. Hope all is well. We'll talk again soon. That was like a pleasure. Thanks, guys. All right. It is 440 here on the Big Show KTGR.
already the first big splash in uh, in December as Toriano Pride, a guy that they tried to get out of high school, came just short, but then he's like, still looking around, a couple years at Clemson, hey, maybe that home school, they're looking pretty good, aren't they? Yeah, another East St. Louis flyer as well, and I loved how when, I believe when he entered his name into the portal, it was with a no-contact tag, so I think he already knew (laughs) where he was heading from the very beginning. Uh, I've got my eye on another another player at this point in the Ooh. in the portal. Um, I mean, Trevor Etienne transferring Ooh. from Florida. I'm just saying. Before we got on the air today, producer Chris said, "Oh, he's going to Georgia." I'm going to say he's, he's going a tiger. to Georgia. He's a tiger, baby. Make it happen, drink. But no, it's it's a great start to portal season, without a doubt, to land a, a big cornerback for that defense because you do have guys that you expect to be going pro from that unit. So. That's a great way to replenish, again, restocking the cupboard before really this thing even gets rolling too deep into the portal season. Got to love it. And look, Eli Drinkwitz can sell that he can provide some big numbers for running backs. So if you're looking for big numbers, Trevor Etienne or any other high-powered portal running back out there, give Missoula a look, you would have to think. Uh, Under the Bus is coming up next. Well, we already previewed a little bit of what uh, the bus is going to provide and sean mcdermott certainly provided that but there was also a very (laughs) mlb teams really wanted to build up this big announcement that they had and uh well it had almost nothing to do with baseball that's next after this live local sports center you're listening to the big show podcast on ktgr.com going under the bus in a bit got the sweetest thing in sports coming up too and we'll settle a Mizzou debate that we honestly don't understand why it's a debate at all at 505-875-KTGR to call or text us. And I'm pretty sure that Andy and I are on the same side of this one, but I'm, I'm going to say nothing more about it until we get to okay, right, yeah. leading into that segment. I'll probably talk about it in the top five at five. But yeah. other than that, I just want to... I just want to let that ride a sure. little bit because I think we'll be on the same size. Chris is looking at me with a, a nasty grin right now. Like maybe he's going to disagree with me. I'm thinking about uh, what but, angle I want to hit this from. Okay. <laughs> let's do the honest angle. Can we be genuine for once? That's what we want to be on the <laughs> big show. Not. Are you exactly kidding me? No, we want to be. No lies on the radio, but I'm curious about this, uh, this debate, which is regarding, would you rather see Mizzou win? The basketball game against Kansas or the football game against Ohio State, if you had to pick one, that's coming up at 5.05. Yeah, 875-5847 if you want to weigh in yourself. Uh, By the way, we're less than a week away from one of the uh, favorite events that we're involved with every single year, really one of the more important events every single year uh, here at this station. Uh, The Commerce Bank one-for-one holiday food drive is coming up next Wednesday. Uh, and you can get all the details at ktgr.com. But uh, be ready to uh, to donate to the Food Bank for Central and Northeast Missouri. One in five people in our community don't know where that next meal is coming from. It's hard to kind of imagine that sometimes. But events like this are, are able to try and close the, that, that discrepancy to make sure that everybody in our community, especially during the holidays, uh, has a way to, to access food and, and everything. So, 
many ways to donate. Find all the ways to donate at KTGR.com. We hope to count on your support uh, on Wednesday, December 13th, uh, next week. We'll be out at the Columbia Mall. Brendan and I will both be out there, and uh, we'll be looking forward to uh, what we expect to be a, a very good day, as it always is every single year, at the Commerce Bank One for One Holiday Food Drive. Yeah, they'll be in a dunk tank. You can throw baseballs at them and get them you know, take a little now, bit wait of a swim. Minute. Not going to be on. that. I don't uh, think that's what? Like, no. I don't think I agreed to that. Uh-huh. No, but I will be there. What's just for Brendan, essentially, uh, in the in whatever it will be, forty degree weather. Yeah, just just that. Well, let's brisk. Come on. It's time to go under the bus on the big show. Uh, first of all, the the Sean McDermott story that came out today. And, yeah, I guess it was kind of old back in uh, a few years ago that he said this, trying to motivate his team, uh, comparing, uh, trying to make a positive teamwork analogy to the hijackers of 9-11. Uh, nope. Nope. Not the way to do that. Don't got to hand it to Tom him. McDermott, don't got to hand it to him. The quote from the article was that McDermott, this is a quote from the, the reporter who reported this, he cited the hijackers as a group of people who are all able to get on the same page to orchestrate oh attacks <laughs> to perfection. That is... As if he could not find a better group oh. of people that have ever gotten on the same page You couldn't say, like, Harry Potter and his friends did that to, like, you beat could, Baltimore oh, or something? New bad. York City Rockets yeah. all get on you the same page about and the Rebel do Alliance. so much better things. They Come kick on. at the same time. Yeah. People clap at the end of their dance. Yeah. yeah, anything but what he did. He's answering for that today, yeah. unsurprisingly. Come on. That's just under the bus. Yeah, under the bus also to this big announcement that a whole lot of MLB teams put out on social media. I think it was this morning yeah. or, or like yesterday. Huge announcement. It's a Def Leppard concert. <laughs> Wait, oh. what? Come on now. Wait, hold come on. on. Now, wait a second. What, what made you think it was this huge announcement? What well, was, look, uh... when you said, because quite literally the Boston Red Sox teased it as a big announcement. Like, it, it was like, big? there's a big announcement coming on Thursday morning. Don't miss it. Well, here's what you need to know. They show, Journey they is going to be at the concert as oh, well. Journey's going to be there, too. Yeah, Cheap yeah. Trick is also involved in this. So, <laughs> at the I mean, St. Louis one, at least. I believe there are different uh, lineups. Different opening acts, around, essentially. Uh, but essentially, all 30 MLB teams are going to be hosting Def Leppard in, in some capacity. Well, um, you know, I think that's a big deal. And listen, <laughs> they all tweeted out like Look. a kind of... Uh, you know, ominous. The Cardinals did well with theirs because they put guitar emojis on their tweet to not try to mislead anybody. Maybe they thought it was another Wainwright concert. I don't know. But yeah. I, come on, this is a nothing burger. They're just trying to sell tickets to the concert at MLB stadiums. No big deal. Under the bus. I liked uh, there was one person who had a good quip at the Cardinals for uh, on social media, and I I didn't see who it was, so I can't give credit to it, unfortunately. But it was like, just like the Cardinals, a lineup that would have been great in the '80s. Oh come on, <laughs> that doesn't even make sense, but it's a little funny. Hey, I'm not saying Def Leppard. I've been to a Def Leppard concert, by the way, and it was How's great. That? But uh, I was haven't. Great. Yeah. But I saw I saw Cheap Trick out in O'Fallon a couple years ago for Fourth of July. I'd love to see Journey. I don't know if they're oh, playing as well as yeah. they used to, yeah. but I don't know. I might go to that concert in July. Yeah. You never know. Which stadium, I suppose. Uh, also, under the bus, too. Uh, those Twitter accounts uh, had I had a quip with, but I did not have a quip with the Yankees Twitter account. They had a great tweet uh, kind of announcing the news about Juan Soto. 
who just got traded to the Yankees, of course. It's also the anniversary of when John Heyman, you remember when John Heyman, the, the, beat, the national beat writer, tweeted out Arson that Judge. Arson Judge was yeah. heading, it looks like he's going to head to the Giants. That's what it was. Well, the Yankees Twitter account tweeted saying, John Soto looks like he's going to be going to uh, the Yankees very soon. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's that's kind of two-sided as well because the Yankees can still claim, like, we also have Aaron Judge. Yeah. So, like, that's kind of rubbing it in a little bit, the fact that everybody thought maybe Judge would go to another team. They've got him and they've got Soto. That's two of the three, four most high-profile outfielders in baseball in the same outfield. If the Yankees get Yamamoto... Which is maybe possible. They're gonna be they're gonna be tough to beat next year, but we'll see if they're able to put it together. Under the bus. Well, and if all those guys can stay healthy too, that was a big problem last and year. And Stanton's on the team too. Yeah. No kidding. I mean, goodness I mean, gracious. Come on. It's time for the sweetest thing in sports on the big show. Sweetest thing is with our friends at the Candy Factory this holiday season. Gift your co-workers with some tasty treats. From the Candy Factory in downtown Columbia. Anniversary, birthday, holiday. Online at thecandyfactoryonline.com. Yet another accolade for a Mizzou footballer. Brett Norfleet named to the SEC All-Freshman team today. There was only one tight end listed on that team. And it was the, uh, the St. Louis native Brett Norfleet. So congrats to him as he had a breakout freshman season, especially right. offensively. And, and look, it was great at blocking, too, uh, opening up some of the holes, like, uh, along with the offensive line for Cody Schrader. Just great stuff from the freshman early on. Yeah, we call him uh, O'Fallon's Travis Kelsey. That's kind of how we feel yeah. about him in uh, in my area. But, uh, yeah, I think Brett Norfleet's got a bright future ahead of him. Like, this was an example of, hey, he's just getting started. This kid's got some talent. He can catch the football. He can block. He can do a little bit of everything. I'm excited to see what he he does in the future, boys. Like it was a nice first year for him. Oh yeah, you get those types of contributions as a true freshman. That is excellent stuff. Tight end U is still alive and well. Yeah, it would seem if Brett Norfleet can uh, keep growing, keep improving. Man, Mizzou's got a nice weapon uh, in their offense for uh, for the next couple of years at least. So we'll we'll see what uh, what Norfleet can do, and he's going to get a chance to showcase that at the Cotton Bowl coming up later this month. Oh, hey, speaking of the Cotton Bowl, Cotton, speaking of the Cotton Bowl, would you rather win? Uh, would you rather see Mizzou win that? Or would you rather see Mizzou win at Kansas? I'm not. I, I'm I, not I, even going to give I, my hint until the top five. Can you be five, but can well, you the be only hint is that we it? think there's a very clear answer here. There is a clear one, at <laughs> yeah. least as uh, far as I'm yeah, concerned. Yeah. Uh, so uh, we'll we'll get to what we think the clear answer is at 5:05, and then Brendan will help you out with your fantasy football team. Big uh, weekends. Try to get into the playoffs. Play fade eliminated. 5:25 on the big show. <laughs>